there are some people who believe that if you have a high IQ, you can't have ADHD. I know that from my own experience that in some ways, I, I the analogy is like I am like a small company and the ch- chief executive officer is brilliant, but everyone else on staff sucks. The whole support staff is horrible. They don't get anything done. You know, those are all the executive functions. ADHD Rewired Episode 73. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me thank our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Groups. To find out about the next ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. Support for this podcast comes from Audible. For a free audiobook download, go to ericktivers.com slash audible for a link for that free download and for some hand-picked recommendations, go to erictibbers.com slash audible for your free audiobook download. Welcome, Doug Harris, to ADHD Rewired. I am glad to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. So uh, what we've been doing, so we scheduled this call for, for 12 o'clock. It's not 1227 because what were we just doing? We're putzing around, getting distracted by, ooh, what's that? We're trying to do a Periscope feed, uh, trying to get you heard on Periscope, um, which may or may not be working. Um, and we're doing it because that's just what we wanted to do today. And uh, it's it's the 3rd of July when we're recording this, although this will be out later this month. And um, I'm just I'm thrilled to have you on because I've, I've actually been wanting to have you on for a while. Um, Doug, why don't you just tell a little bit about who you are and how uh, how you know us? How how do we know each other? Well, that that the last part's the easiest part. I've been a part of the second ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, which started was that January. I'd, I'd have to check my calendar. <laughs> It's been a long time. It was winter. Yeah, it was. Back then. And uh, yeah, and that's been great. I've, and this is quite an honor to be sitting in this seat, that this virtual seat that so many illustrious people have sat in before. So that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. And it's an honor to be here. My background, I was diagnosed in 1998 with ADHD, the usual route. You know, I got it for my kids, you know, to have them diagnosed. And like, oh, that, those, those things ring a lot of bells. And I, when I first got diagnosed, I was, I was a little fortunate enough to be in Ann Arbor. I was working with Siri Solden and making some good progress. I went to a couple ADA conferences, and I thought I was doing pretty well. But then some stuff came up, and I kind of had a, more or less a lost decade after that. And then it's the last I went to the Detroit ADA conference, and that, and that just took me back to where I was. And that's where I learned about things like ADHD coaching and made some great connections and it's been i've just been dedicating all my time to adhd since then so you had a lost decade yes and now you're making up for lost time i like to think so i'm trying to learn some lessons from that well what are some of the things that uh you're you're working on and and trying to learn 
in words. <laughs> you know, I would say pictures, but that might be strange in an audio format. Interpretive dance, perhaps. Maybe. I, I think it's a lot of it. Is, I think what I'm really working towards now is radical acceptance of my ADHD. That's the phrase I came up with yesterday. Thinking what, about it. what does that mean to you? It means not just tweaking little things, which basically tries me, leaves me trying to be a neurotypical clone. And I'm just bad at that. And it takes so much effort. And mostly it's no fun at all. Mm-hmm. But just to actually really embrace who I am with the ADHD and try, and try to live that life. So when you say radical acceptance, because uh, that's that's sort of a, a buzzword that sometimes gets tossed around in different um, different domains of uh, there's a there's a type of behavioral therapy uh, called acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, I, I think I've also heard that on the show Lie to Me, uh, which is a great show. Uh, it was on Fox for a few years. Um, actually, is based on the uh, some of the work from Paul Ekman, who's a, a research scientist that studies the f- uh, facial expression and human emotion. Um, but so radical acceptance though, doesn't mean just throwing our hands up in the air and saying, Oh, well, well, I'm, I got ADHD, so I can't handle that or can't deal with that. Not my fault. What, what, what does it actually mean to you? It means taking advantage of all the strengths, my ADHD strengths, not wasting as much time on the, on the weaknesses, relative weaknesses. And for instance, I know that I need that a lot of the things that maybe are optional for other people are not optional for me. I need to put a lot of effort into getting you know, the energy and the focus going. Mm-hmm. And if that means doing a lot of things that seem self-indulgent, I guess I'm good with that. I need, you know, it's the whole idea, idea of like eating your dessert first because I just, I just know I'm learning, accepting that I need to activate my brain to do anything. And it, I can't just turn, tell it to start. So what do you do to activate your brain? Uh, some of reading, uh, what really activates the most is human contact. Mm-hmm. Like a great conversation activates my brain more than anything. And I, and as I, I think we were talking before, I just wish I could be with this person who I am when my brain is activated mm-hmm. more than a couple hours a week because it's awesome. And when you feel like you're in that zone, it's, it's a good feeling. It's, yeah, it feels a lot. I feel alive. Mm. And that's a, a great feeling. So I know you talked about the, the power of connection. Um, we also talked about the challenges that, that uh, can come with when, you know, there's parts of your brain that are, uh, you know, just work really well, but don't always line up to other parts of your brain. And sometimes we refer to that as, as twice exceptionality. And so that's something that you've kind of talked to me about. Um, so would you mind talking just a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, that's something I actually I presented on at the Mensa Regional Gathering a year ago. It's um, it, it has to do with having – well, in school, this is a school term, so I'm just appropriating it for adults. Having ADHD but also having something else that makes you exceptional. This is twice exceptional. Exceptional does not mean good. It just means outside the norm. And it can maybe it can be good, but it doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, typically it means either have a high IQ or being creatively gifted in some other way, musically, mm-hmm. artistically. Now you, so you're you're a member of Mensa. 
I am. Which which is that? That's one of the things yeah, I, I got the hardest I, thing to say. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how does it feel to say like I'm, I'm a member of Mensa? It feels cre- it feels creepy. Really? It just, I, yeah, I'm. I, I can just. I have my ADHD shirt. I wear that around. That, that's fun. That's cool. But anything, like, man. Same time you talk about having a high cue, it sounds like you're bragging, or you think you're better than everyone, and it it just it's hard to avoid that. It just it just feels braggy. It's just. And to me, it just what it, all it means is that I've just had higher bars that I've missed because of this. And so I think the main thing about being twice exceptional is that you get by. And what I call it first world ADHD problems is a <laughs> phrase I just came up with. Like, <laughs> oh, you're doing fine. What's the problem? So, no, I don't want to do fine. I'm going to be spectacular. No, and I, you I have the moments of spectacularity or spectacularness. Mm-hmm. And you want to have that regularly and it's just so frustrating just to get the glimpse of it here and there and you were telling me uh yesterday when we were talking about and one of the the kind of biggest challenges is that you feel like you're always falling short of your own expectations oh absolutely yeah it's just this it's just you know a life of discipline feel either disappointing people and now looking back it was their fault for expecting the wrong things from <laughs> me but but they didn't know any better but just the, the idea of my potential well it was a a potential that was they was forced on me it wasn't truly my potential knowing mm-hmm. myself now and what my strengths are i think i have as high a potential as anyone else ever thought it just is, looks different and you've done lots of different things i mean and you're continuing to do different things uh, and one of the things that you uh, have done is you've been uh, you've been in some movies it's many seconds. I think it's up. To, I'm up to about eight or nine seconds total. If you put them I mean, all I've, together, I've seen a few of those seconds, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that that's been fun. That's that's been. I think show reflects the ADHD in a couple of ways. One, I didn't have don't have a steady job, so I was available <laughs> for this. So I count that, and and just the the attitude I have of, of well, why not? I can do that, and so I I do. And you, you were talking too about how mindset of that kind of why not, uh, that you in, in the realm of, of acting, um, that you kind of are, are, um, capturing some of the benefits of impulsivity. Um, in, uh, my ADCA class, uh, we, we, one of our classes, we were talking about this and I, we have, we're going ad, through an exercise. ADCA is your, your, the Absolutely, ADHD yeah. coaching academy. Yeah, ADD Coaching Academy. And, and someone in the side, like, you're, you're a creative risk taker. I said, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'd never thought about it that way. I just love taking risks because it's the adrenaline rush. Like one example, I was uh, I took an art class once, and the last couple of classes were life drawing. And I really liked that. So I started going to the life drawing studio, uh, open stu- studio there. And one day the model didn't show up. So I said, I can do it. <laughs> so I did. And it was it was great. That's got, awesome. Was it a, was yeah. it a, was it a nude drawing or yeah. Oh, yeah. was yeah, it really? I've, got a, I've got a nude pastel of myself somewhere that I'm just I can't put it up on the wall because my kids I just freak them out enough as it is. So I I am sure it. that your 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 children thank you for that. But I have to tell you, I have I now have a new level of of respect for you. That's awesome. I, was, I don't, uh, I don't was, know was, if I would have had the courage to do that. I wouldn't have if, if I had thought if I thought about it longer maybe I wouldn't have, but that's the impulsivity. Did, did part. you ever? Did you regret it? Oh no, 
No. Then well, after that, he went to like you know, a couple of the, the, the nudist colony a couple times just for fun. See what it'd be like. It's just, it's just this, it's just this ex, um, existential thing I have where it's just, I like to experience things that you, are different. You ever like go to the grocery store and, and you walk into someone and says, well, I think I know you from somewhere. <laughs> that, that does not happen now. <laughs> someone sees you coming and they quickly go to the next aisle. Uh, <laughs> Things like uh, what, what, what movies are you in again? Well, my, I'm best known for Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas, where that's where most of my seconds are. <laughs> and and that was just such a fun day because the director was just talk, was working with us and I was treated like a real actor that day. Normally I get treated like cattle, but, but that was fun. Uh, and another and another great experience I had was in a movie called The Double, which probably no one's heard of. I was I was Martin Sheen stand-in, and so I got to spend some time around him, and he's just a super friendly guy. And one time I was Richard Gere stand-in, because the guy who was normally Richard Gere stand-in was going to a wedding. And at one point, there were, I was – when the stand you just go into position that they're going to be in so they can get the lighting right. And one time, they were getting this camera overhead. I was laying on a bed. To getting the camera overhead for a down view, and this metal rods fell out of the camera, oh. boom, and landed right between my legs, <gasps> and didn't hurt me at all. It was it was one in a million shot, and I don't I think Richard Gear, he never thanked me for taking that one for almost taking that one for him. So he owes you one. He, yeah, he owes me. He, he he doesn't know it though. Are you gonna uh, are you gonna follow up with that? I, I think he's, send, he's moved send, on. Send him an email. I, don't, I actually don't have his email address. Well, One you know, bad choice. May, for all we know, he's a listener of this podcast, and uh, it, maybe he'll reach out to you. It's possible. I remember there's, there's the snack, there's the, you know, the, the, the craft services, but there'd be a little cooler, and there's a little 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 container that had carrot sticks, in it, and then it said, it's Richard G., and that was his. No one could have them. <laughs> I thought this is so 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 cute. <laughs> All right, so um, now you also do some musicals, right? I have, I haven't in a while, but that's another example of doing these things that I'm not necessarily. They don't come naturally to me, so mm-hmm. that's what I give myself. I'm going to give myself credit for doing things that are not in my comfort zone. Yeah, so you, you step out of your comfort zone. I do. And, uh, as, and special, especially when they're involved in musicals where you're singing and trying to dance at the same time, which is, I've done it a few times and I still like, it's a minor miracle whenever I'm able to do it. Now, my, my big question for you is, did you tune up and prepare your ukulele? I, I found that when I got the rust off of it, I, I remembered that I wasn't very good yet. So I'm saving that for. So, so we're not going to get a debut of the. Do, I mean, not he, not right it, now. It's not in arm's reach. I put I put new strings in it, and then they're still stretching, so it goes out of tune every couple minutes. I see. I so see. I'm sorry, sorry to tease with that. I am very disappointed about that. I have to tell you. But it'll be worth it because now I'm, I've, I've been meaning to get the, get that out for months and months and months, and I have now. I'm not going to put it away. Okay, so, so well, how, how many other items like that do you have where you have things out that you, uh, you know, have it out because you want to do something about it and you haven't done anything with it? Well, I guess my, my moleskin notebook is to a large extent like that. I, the whole idea of capturing 
I I have not it's I have not captured sufficiently the idea that I need to capture things. <laughs> so I need to do some meta capturing of some type. Uh, I was talking to a couple friends about like about about this podcast. That what are some things that I've talked about that are interesting? Because I don't really listen when I talk. And and then they gave mentioned some things that I do not remember any of these things. Like what? I, I can't just things I've said. I can't remember, and I would. I, I really probably should take notes. You know that lies we tell ourselves. I, I, because in the moment it's everything is so vivid that how could I possibly forget this? Well, we, I find I, I, I can only I can't multitask. Multitask includes talking, and listening, and remembering. I can't do all. Th- I, I, I can choose one. I can either think or t- talk or listen. And well, if the, I, I usually can do one, maybe two, never three. If you have an idea and you're in a conversation and you want to capture right on that idea, you could just tell the person, I want to write that down. So it's attention shifting. It's not really multitasking. Um, and, you know, it's kind of just building that as a part of the behavioral re- repertoire and not really being concerned about what someone's thinking about you writing something down. I've, I've gotten better. I've gotten a tiny bit better about that. Well, tiny bit better is it's progress, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for movement in a direction. I find that that, that I, with with filters, I don't trust my filter, so I tend to have I have a gate that is like all on or all off. And, and my favorite moments are when I just open that gate and don't and just get rid of the filter and just see whatever happens happens. And that generally has to be in a place that feels safe. And that happened actually the last at a conference was we're meeting at later in the, at the bar. So I probably had a beer or two, but I was just going talking and I couldn't remember what it was I was trying to say, but I kept going, hoping that it would come back to me. Normally I would have just shut down, but I just, just, I'll go, I'll go with that. Maybe I'll come back around. And after a while I noticed everyone in the group was just staring at me with their jaws dropped because they just had never seen any such a train wreck. And I just kept going. I, <laughs> And I finally stopped because I just saw that it was hopeless. But it was just fun letting go like that, you know, going down the, the Black Diamond Hill without you know, any seeing ability. One of the things that I love about ADHD conferences is that freedom to truly just be yourself. Um, or, you know, I think that, that sometimes even myself where I don't realize how often I am utilizing strategies and strategies that I've built, uh, you know, around myself, uh, to, to support the things that I want to do. And which is good because then I'm building habits and I'm not having to think about these things. But when I kind of pause and reflect about, well, how much of the things I do are actually skills that I've developed and habits that I've built over time. Because I mean, I used to be, I used to be a train wreck on a daily basis. Uh, I, I look back and I don't even know how I got through a day. Um, and so a lot of these skills that I've built around myself and I'm, and I, I'm working on it every day still. I, I, you know, I, um, I'm hopeful that in 10, 15 years from now, I'll be able to look back where I'm at now and, and be like an amazement that that's, that's where I was. And from, from where I'm at now, um, cause I mean, I used to not wear a watch. I, I can't imagine. I would feel naked leaving my house if I didn't wear a watch. I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to forget something. I'm going to like, I'm going to screw up something. Um, so look, I, I'm totally time blind. So I always have to have timers and, and around me and my watch and, um, you know, writing things down. And even, you know, and we've talked about this, the, the lies we tell ourselves about, you know, oh, I don't need to write that down. Like that's, that's probably my number one lie. Um, that and I have plenty of time. Um, I still catch myself 
saying that. And I would say most often I, you know, I, I pulled the, the red card or I'm trying to make a sports analogy, which is I should never, ever do. Um, <laughs> red card sounds good. Red, yellow, what, what, in soccer, like what, when you get a warning or I, yeah, yellow is the first warning. Okay. Is it red? Is it or reds if it's something bad enough? And red is two yellows equals a red. That's all I know. I've exhausted my knowledge. Is it like based on like a primary color scheme? I mean, is it a yellow plus yellow doesn't equal red? No, it equals yellow. Right. So how does that work? I do not know. Is it the traffic light system? There's no green card. Well, then that that rules out that. So is there like an assumed green light if there's no card? I think the green the field the field's green. The field is green. Maybe that's the green. But what about the jerseys? I mean, those could be different colors. Yeah, they can be. It it helps. My kids were never in soccer. They were this little, like six-year-old soccer. One time they had black and navy blue were the two colors. And they were almost, you couldn't tell them, but they looked the same. That doesn't happen to professionals. They have light and dark uniforms. But yeah, the kids, it doesn't matter because they don't know what they're doing anyhow. Is uh, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. Is black and navy blue one of those things you're not supposed to do? I I, I imagine so. I have I'm no sense sure. of fact. Like I I don't. Not that I, I don't really care that much, but I would like to be able to be sort of you know sort of fashionable. I'm so clueless in that domain. That, like personal I, shopper. Well, I you know well my my wife hates shopping as much as I do. Pay someone. Farm well, it out. My my mother in law will actually uh, buy clothes for like you know my, my birthday and uh, you know the holidays. Uh, she enjoys shopping, and I enjoy that she enjoys shopping. Because um, mutual understanding. Oh That's my good. gosh! I, I I'm just, you know I think shopping is a skill. It's of the list of things that I hate. Um, mustard and shopping are the top two. I think. Wow, I'm good at buying. But not shopping. I just go and buy. What, I know what, what I want. What, what have you bought recently? Oh, what haven't? The, the, the UPS truck pulls up to my house almost daily. <laughs> I love Amazon Prime. Important stuff, though. It's real important stuff. I don't buy anything dumb. Like what? Like, like dumb? I don't buy a dumb. Oh, what was the other day? Oh, some chemicals for the hot tub. Some screws to hang some curtain somewhere. Nothing crazy. Nothing, nothing like that. You know what I just discovered, and I just ordered some on uh, on, on Amazon. So I, I I've been making the same uh, protein shake for probably three plus years, and uh, you know I've, I've been trying to lose some weight, and so I've been cutting back on certain things in my diet. Um, and I look many many episodes ago, I I gave some updates on my weight, and then I uh, my weight wasn't going anywhere, so I hadn't brought it up in a while. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna bring it up again because I got on the scale today, and I was 209. I think the last time that I got on the scale, I was like. 220 something. That's awesome. Um, so feeling really good about that. So one of the things that I cut out in my my diet was I, I in the afternoon I would have one of these like protein bars. Um but they were kind of high calorie and high fat and I just cut that out and I think that's helped. The other thing that I done with my morning protein shake was that I I put I put peanut butter in my protein shake. Um which makes it taste like a delicious milkshake. Um and so but I was talking to my brother-in-law and he's like, well, have you ever tried putting in protein or uh, peanut butter powder? Because it, it's like all the stuff you want from peanut butter with nothing that you don't want. I was like, they make peanut butter powder? That's brilliant. And so I, I ordered like a small container of it just to try it out first. It's a fan 
fantastic. It's it's just as good as the peanut butter. It has it has like eighty five percent less like fat and calories. It has a lot of protein in it. Um, so yeah, that's that's my Amazon uh, riff. And you know, Doug, did you know? that you could support ADHD rewired. If you start shopping at Amazon by going to ADHDrewired.com. I did not know that. It's, so I don't see who buys it, but I could see what people buy. So whether it's sticky notes or sex toys, you can actually um, buy and save. Um, well, it doesn't cost you any more money, but I got a couple pennies from that. Um, and so that's my shameless plug for Amazon. It seems related though. Cause we were talking about things we buy. Yeah, I think you steered it there so it wouldn't seem too shameless. But it wasn't planned, though. It really, I mean, it's... <laughs> I know. And that's believable. It is. Coming from you, it's believable. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about our conversations is how you just tend to riff on stuff sometimes. And, you know, the, the thing that... And I, and I hope that this comes across in this conversation is how funny Doug actually is because it's not like this over the top. We were talking about this yesterday. It's, it's not deadpan humor, but it's like, what was the word you you came up with some phrase? I didn't write it down. (laughs) I don't know what I said. (laughs) And as I was saying that I was, I knew that that was coming too. like, you're not going to remember. That's uh, why I have to make up new stuff all the time. That's okay. So now make something new up. It's, it's, it was just like jazz. That's what it, I've, a lot of times I feel like I'm a, like a great jazz musician, except for the fact I'm not a great musician, but stuck in a symphony orchestra. And that I think that's an analogy. Oh, I, just I love that. Day. Great jazz musician stuck in a symphony orchestra. Like the kind of jazz musician who plays by ear and doesn't read music or anything. That, that kind that's of That's me. I mean, that's, yeah, and like, we were like talking that. about that too, or, or you know, I, I taught myself how to, how to play music and uh, piano was my first instrument. Um, started playing when I was uh, like four or five years old, distracted by, by Nintendo. Um, so I would be the, the kid that would be playing Nintendo and get bored of the game, but I would leave the game on and figure out all the theme songs to the games that I was playing. Um, and my, my parents had me taking piano lessons, but I actually never really practiced what I was supposed to be playing. I just played. I could like hear a song once or twice and then play it. And so that's how I, you know, got by from week to week, but I never really learned how to play music. And so I used to write a lot of music, but you know, I would say to myself, I'm a very, I'm really improvisational. And what it really was is that I couldn't structure myself enough to play the same song the same way twice, even if I wanted to. So, cause it's a, it's a different level of focus. It's a different level of practice. It's true. I, I think that, I, I, I wish I'd had ADHD-friendly lessons. I don't know if there were any lessons that could have existed that I would have stuck with. But I like to think that – oh, I guess I don't want to think that because then, then I have to regret it. <laughs> uh, I guess I don't know which way I want to go with that. But, yeah, I, 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 I've, I've, I've been thinking about how lately with this with the coaching accountability group, I, I, mean, I always talk about you know, focusing on what you resist, things you resist. Uh-huh. And I really am finding that – I really want to just be a free range thinker. I love like the idea of focusing. I resist things like that. I just chafe at the idea of focus and structure and a lot of things that are good for me, probably in some extent. But I said, no, that's, I feel like those things take away from my, my authentic, authenticity, even though they can help me. But I just, I, I, I find that. I just like why people, there's expressions like how perfection is the enemy of good enough or 
done or whatever. Yeah, perfection is the enemy of done. Yeah. I think and done is the enemy of perfect of perfection is how I look at it. Done is I have enemy. a backwards way of looking a lot a lot of these things. I, I don't I, I like perfect because most things I'm doing I are pretty arbitrary and if I do them or don't do them really doesn't matter. But if I do something well, then that matters. So it's about mattering. Okay, not, so not I mean, it, accomplishing, and that kind of sounds like the you know where that that really intrinsic motivational piece kind of comes in with ADHD. It's like when we're into it and we're excited about it, like we're awesome. When we don't care about it or not interested in it, it's one of these things that someone tells us we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to get the brain activated. Yeah, or almost hard. At best, it's hard often impossible. And I know that, that you and I both have a, uh, something that is in a very similar um, uh, area of our red zone and that's related to billing. And I know that you, uh, you help out your wife uh, in her practice um, doing billing. It's, it's death. It's, 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 I cannot imagine many ADHD more unfriendly things than it's that. It's the worst. It is the worst. And yeah, I just, my heart, I just feel it sinking when I, I said, oh crap, I have to call the insurance company, talk to insurance people. And I just, I'm really good at not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding it brilliantly, which isn't helping, but I, 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 I get it. You know, uh, and it's, uh, have you been able to convince uh, your, your wife yet of, of letting you like hire someone for that? It, just letting some of this money fall through the cracks is cheaper than hiring someone. So it's a good cost benefit analysis. I, I, guess. I think so. I think so. Makes sense. And and, and and if I put if I put more effort in to get you know to wring out every last penny, I would get crazy. I'd just be crazy and cranky. So it wouldn't be worth it. I don't think for anybody. Doug, when you uh, when you try when you actually are working on uh, the building stuff, do you get anxiety doing it? Oh yeah, sometimes I think I hope I'm not screwing up here because I because it's stuff right stuff that's attention. Mm-hmm. And I just am not attending. I mean, that was one of the things when, when I used to take, you know, when I first started my, uh, my practice um, and I was taking, I took insurance for like six months and I, I, I was having panic attacks. Like I, it, it, my brain didn't understand it, but it's because it's not something that's understandable. It makes no sense. And then you, you know, we have to push ourselves through things that we don't want to do, like picking up the phone to, to call an insurance company and then we get disconnected after like waiting at hold for half oh, an yeah. hour. I mean, it, it's maddening. So I, I finally have outsourced that and the very few ta- like I, so when I get a new client, I have to fax new client paperwork over to my, my biller. I hate that task. It takes me probably about 10 minutes to kind of gather the paperwork, fax it over, you know, make sure it goes through and all that stuff. It's like, it takes me, it drains me. It's this 10 minute task that really isn't that like, it's not a complicated task, but it just drains my executive functions mm-hmm. so much that, that I, 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 I've sometimes have put that off for like weeks. It, to me, I, I don't want to be that person who can do that well. It's an identity thing almost like I resent, I, I would re- resent being good at that. So I'm happy not to. I just have this terrible streak that my inner little kid that just chafes at things and just is rebelling against everything. Not everything, a lot of things though. This math homework's yeah. stupid. The teacher's yeah, stupid. Basically. <laughs> I, I, the word stupid goes through my brain regularly and it's not in refer- reference to myself. 
Really? So how do you kind of overcome those things when you do need to do it? See, I try to remember the last time that happened. <laughs> what, when you overcame it or when you, uh, <laughs> or when you like were able to, um, kind of just I, drive through it? I want to, I, I guess it's, uh, it's nice. I do like all please people. And I guess you know, having a whole life, like childhood of not pleasing people in my life, my parents, my teachers, that if I can do something and it makes someone happy, I, I really have a heart that makes that that's nice. Even if it's something I hate. And I let them know I hate it so they know that it really counts. It's like a double credit. And my wife doesn't. She says, I know you hate doing this. Well, it's, at least it's, she's, val- she's validating uh, that. Yeah. So that, 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 that's, that's all right. Now, and your wife does not have ADHD. Is that correct? She, she is forever the opposite of so, it. Is. So you're in a mixed marriage. <laughs> we are. And how, how does that work for you? It, it's frustrating. It's great. It's good and bad. Mm-hmm. It's my I because my wife's a doctor, and I I was it was started out when she was in med school. I was in law school, but I don't know why I was in law school. I was in law school because my brother in law was in law school and it was a lawyer. And I thought he was cool, so I thought I'd try that because I didn't want to go in biology anymore. But I dropped out of that exactly halfway through. Then I got a master's in in biology because my wife was to go to school and school is what I knew how to do. And I finally started getting it right, like in high school and college. And, and then I started a PhD program, but then my, then my second son, my second child came along and I just didn't care enough. Everybody else was living on campus and they were single and we're all excited about the stuff. And I was living in an old farmhouse that I was working on outside of town. And I remember one day that I was there was a seminar on Friday afternoon, and I don't know what they were talking about, but the door, I was back by in the back, and the windows open. I could hear the U of M marching band practicing, and at that you know, moment, I just thought, I, I don't belong here. So huh. I just stayed home with my kids, took my with my three degrees. So you were a stay at home dad for for many I, years. I was, I was, which I I wouldn't trade it, but. It's it's not stimulating. I mean, in some ways, it you know emotionally, it's very it was awesome, but in, intellectually, it it wasn't. It was very isolating. There, there are definitely times that um, I I guess I feel a little jealous of my wife because um, she's stay home and stay home mom. And um, but then there's other times when I'm you know I'm I'm with my son like all weekend, and we're doing the same thing again. And again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't do this. <laughs> Even kids with ADHD, kids with ADHD can do the same thing over and over and over easily. If, yeah, if they enjoy they it. Don't, they don't seem to need the variety. And and I was, as a father, a stay-at-home dad, I got some, people would give me credit. For the, oh, it's so great that you're doing that. But I still didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't know any, any other stay-at-home dad. So it was just kind of a, a cute novelty, which mm-hmm. wasn't what I was hoping for. It wasn't my goal. And I, my kids grew up and left the house, and you stay at home parent, and your kids leave. Then you're you're kind of now what, right? Then, then you're a bum, is what you are <laughs> at that point. And and so yeah, that that's one. So that's one. Like I, I've started went the coaching things. So wanted to go a new direction, mm-hmm. and it's something I said I learned about at the, at a conference a few years ago, and it just really speaks to me. And we're excited about what this. what about it speaks to you because I know that um you know you're talking to me about the the power of connection and like that's to you is like your your gold your glue your you you love that connection piece 
I do. And it's, it's, I, I find that like when, when you're at the conference, you see people who are they're there for the first time and they discover their tribe or people are local, local support group. Just the look of relief. And mm-hmm. say, I've never been around people, my own people like me before. And that is so powerful because like, people, people get me. They don't, I don't have to explain myself mm-hmm. it, when you do that all the time. I still remember my first Chad conference, and uh, I mean, when you when you just uttered the phrase like your first you know conference, I was I was getting goosebumps because remembering the power of that first conference, and you know, I went. My primary objective was going as as a clinician. I wanted to you know learn more about the research and all this, but I gained so much for myself as a person with. ADHD. I mean, it's, I've cried at every single conference I've ever been to. Uh, it's always one session that, that gets me. Um, and I hope that that continues because it's like, I think for me, the thing that gets me is that I, uh, it's the sort of that recognition of how hard I'm working at the stuff. And, and it's, it, it, it is exhausting sometimes. I, I remember going to hear Thomas Brown talking. This is in Atlanta in 2000. And he was talking about executive functions. And it's the first time I'd heard it. And that was the first time that this ADHD thing really made sense. So the attention, you know, attention, hyperactivity, distract that, well, that's, they're so vague. But going through specific things, yeah, I just, I teared up because I went outside afterwards and started crying, thinking about a little dog who was doing his best and everybody <laughs> thought he was screwing up. And it was just, is you know, cried for him because then looking back, and there's adults like that too. Mm-hmm. The adults who don't know, or if they do know, they've been living with you know undiagnosed ADHD for forty years, maybe. Well, I know that's oh. say uh, you know um, uh, Alan Brown, uh, ADD Crusher. Mm-hmm. That's one of the he did a he actually did a, a TEDx talk um, on the um, uh, the eighty five percent. Yeah, the eighty five percent of adults who have ADHD do not know it. And so this and whole notion of it's so, it's so overdiagnosed, it's so overdiagnosed. Like, is it overdiagnosed? Sometimes. It's also often not diagnosed and missed. Well, yeah, right, exactly. One common example is inattentive type ADHD. And that's me. But bright people with ADHD often, because it's not a problem. If you're doing, if you can get up to like C work, C grade level, that's fine. You're not a problem anymore, but you mm-hmm. should be a superstar, perhaps. And so, it's, some some people I've read some in doing my reading about the twice exceptional. There are some people who believe that if you have a high IQ, you can't have ADHD, which is just BS. Right. Because I know that. Right. I know that from my own experience that in some ways, I, I the analogy is like I am like a small company, and the ch- chief executive officer is brilliant, but everyone else on staff sucks. The whole support staff is horrible. They don't get anything done. You know, those are all the executive functions. That yeah. I've that and it's so frustrating that these things are in my head and these potentials I have that I just can't make a lot of them just can't get done. And it's it's just it seems so close and yet it's so and it's just so much frustration. You know, Doug, in, in my experience uh, working both uh, with uh, coaching clients and, and with my therapy clients, when I'm working with a client that has ADHD and uh, a, a very high IQ, um, you know, I actually think that those are some of the more challenging clients uh, to work with um, because I, I see the from and just tell me if this is your experience. I see see a lot of flooding emotionally 
when they're when those executive functions are really being kind of pushed because like the you know the high aq in a sense there's a really high capacity bandwidth for some kind for some types of information processing and then when the bottlenecks when it has to go through those executive functions it, like the brain gets flooded and sort of shuts down is that kind of what it's like for you yeah, absolutely. I've thought about the bottle, the, the, the building a ship in a bottle. That's how I feel I am often that I'm building these things in my head, but they have to go through my working memory to come out. And that's the bottleneck. And and, and going in, too, I just I, I do not remember facts. Well, I generate a model of something mm-hmm. and that's in my head. And then when I want to use it again, I take that model and then try to recreate the pieces and and it's just so frustrating going through that bottleneck all the time. I mean, you know, I, I often uh, have that feeling. I have this like, surge of kind of mental activity in my brain where I come up with these brilliant ideas and associations and ahas, and but I, I can't like get it out and communicate it in a way that makes sense. That's that's frustrating. Oh yeah, this is trapped in there. I think that that the with ADHD, so often you have to work, think about the quality of your work, not the quantity. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, the best work, I probably do most of the good I do in several minutes a week or just coining a phrase, coming up with an insight that, that people, other people, like my coach friends, you know, say they always use, they use this, I always use that phrase now. They always, you know, one thing I, I said, the guy says he uses it with his clients down in Australia and, and they, they use, people usually cry. And so, I, and I give myself credit for that. It's, it's like the story about the woman who designed the city logo it looks like an umbrella the city bank yeah that someone she just sketched it up really quickly somebody said that only took you like three seconds to do that she no 30 years and three seconds yeah well it's, it's that idea of the the overnight success takes you know years to <laughs> to achieve and that's in coaching i would the idea that you've had all these things that look like failures that they have something there's something to them mm-hmm. that you can learn. And if you mine something from them, I think that's healing because then at least it was a learning lesson. It wasn't a total loss. And if you can learn something going forward with that, that is, that's so powerful. I'm planning ahead and you can too. This fall's ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group begins September 14th, 2015. Besides from the benefit of securing your spot, I've set it up so you can start making payments now and you could spread the cost over six months, making it affordable on almost any budget. To take advantage of this six-month payment option, you do have to sign up by July 31st. Then you could pay over five months then four months. The price will go up September 1st. And we already had one person sign up, which is pretty awesome. Many of you were interested in this summer's session, but told me you needed to wait until the fall. If you already know now that you want to join the next session, don't wait. Go now to coachingrewired.com to schedule your free consultation. That's coachingrewired.com. And prepare to get your ADHD rewired. 
Go to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired for your free audiobook download. So what are some things that, that um, either yourself have learned from failures? Because I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of failure. Um, it's, I, you know, I, I really want to rebrand failure as, as you know, equate it to, to self-education. Because um, it really is. I mean, it's like we are not failures. We may fail at a task um, or a trying to do a, speci- mm-hmm. a specific objective, but that doesn't make us a failure. That just means that we've learned one way of doing something that doesn't work. Well, that, that's all it reminds me of Brené Brown. Yeah. With the I, lo- idea I love of, her. I love she, her. She, she's amazing. The idea that it's that who you are, what you do, the results aren't who you should be judged by because then if things don't work out, I think if you're failing, that means you're trying. If you're yeah. not failing, you're not trying. It's, that's and, right. And I think that with people with ADHD, we try a lot of things. So we probably fail more. Mm-hmm. I, I often, I just, I try things I, with the impulsivity. I do things that I probably have no business doing. But I say, I can do that. And I frequently can. And, and it, but it gets to the point where I expect to be able to do things easily. And some things take multiple steps. And those are the things that are harder for me. Like learning a musical instrument that I just failed you know, play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star that was it's just it was too slow and and really I think it's the idea I guess it's the idea of future self is something that really resonated with me I heard someone talk about it and the idea that I guess with people procrastinators but people people who procrastinate people have ADHD I think have a lot in common mm-hmm. often the same people the idea that some people look at themselves in the future and it seems real and, and in the brain scans it looks like the same way that they think about themselves in the cur- in uh, cur- current time. Mm-hmm. Other people, procrastinators, and I, I assume people with ADHD, the person, their future self looks like a stranger. Mm. That's, they react to them to say, so it's not real. And I think that, that to me has always been a problem is that the future does not, it's a th- something that's nice. It's, a, it's something I feel, uh, it's in my head, but not my heart. My heart doesn't connect to it. So I don't, you know, th- there's no passion. Mm. And, and I know passion, passion is something that's so is so important for because of the emotional component that them, our emotions drive our executive functions. Oh, I, I I remember at one point in my life I realized oh I I kind of thought I was a kind of cerebral or intellectual or whatever, and I said no I'm I'm an emotional person who just uses that stuff to justify things and rationalize things, and because we, partly when you're when you're AD, when you're ADHD growing up you you you're, you're, you're your emotional development tip off and will lag a few years behind your classmates. Mm-hmm. And if you're really bright, then your intellect is several years ahead. So you're in third grade, like with a middle school brain in the kindergartner's emotional body. And it's the two don't work together. The imbalance is just so great that you, it's just easy to over rely on intel, your brain and lose touch of your, of, of your feelings. So the feelings are there, but they're not, they're there. This is like the, but they're not. They're driving things without control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're not. They're not. I, I, it's about using your feelings. I think as a compass, 
mm. towards finding what you know what matters to you because a lot of times i think well, what you know what could i do if i could do anything i hate that question because i just i draw a blank usually so I, I dare not even think about that usually for, for me those those really really broad open-ended questions um i will have about a thousand ideas in a two-second span and then i go blank yeah they, they just blur together i i find when i get excited about something it's usually like, it's like it catches me by surprise because I think living with this ADHD all those years, I got to the point, I think it's protective pessimism is what it could be called, where I just don't want to, I just don't look at things. I don't, I don't want to get excited because I can get excited. So I stop myself from getting excited in protective advance. Protective pessimism. Is that like the reverse of like cautious optimism? I suppose it would be. I remember, yeah, Ari Tuckman talking about it. And it just makes sense that, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to be disappointed again. So I just won't try. Mm. It's like, I found that I used to, I, I look at the notebooks I have from like 20 years ago. And I think, wow, I, I miss that guy. He was fun. I was, I was much more carefree, but it just takes a toll over time. You, you learn from, you may learn from you know, failures, but it, it does wear you down. But what would you like to go back and, and that you used to do in your younger self that you would like to start Getting back and doing some more. Good question. I it woodworking something. Woodworking. I, I sh yeah, I the last big, really good pro big project. I built a, the pulpit for my church, and it even hmm. the picture of it was in Fine Woodworking magazine. Wow. It was. I'm I, every time I see it now, I'm still impressed with it. But I love that I, when I when I create something like I mm -hmm. did that. That's wow. <laughs> or as a church, and someone said. Thank you for inviting me to your pulpit. And I think they're, I think they're talking to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's, my, that's my pulpit. <laughs> uh, like gardening. I look at things and like, I now think like, oh, it's just going to be, it's just going to be frustrating. Mm -hmm. Just anticipating frustration everywhere because it often, either, it, it, things are often frustrating. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things that's really common with, with high IQ people is that you imagine how it is vivid imagination. You imagine how perfect and wonderful something could be. And the real world, this doesn't measure up. It's disappointing. So now I'm disappointing the world maybe, but the world is disappointing me back, hmm. which is, I don't like that, but I, I, there's something of that. There's yeah, definitely. So how are now you are um, you're finishing up your coaching training. I'm, I'm, I'm through. I finished up last fall. Okay. Um, and you are, you're, you're working on, on building your practice right now, right? That's right. What are some of the things that, cause I, from my understanding is that, um, when you go through the coach training, you need to have a certain amount of hours or is, is that where you're at right now? Tell me where you, tell me kind of where you're at with that. Right now. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to get hours in just because that's how you just can't, you can you just can't just read about coaching. You just, you coach by coaching, mm -hmm. and so I just need to do more of it. I, I'm I'm really confident in my ability. I I I just loved finding out that I have instincts that I, I did not know, and, and that that that's because that was something I I was you know that's an emotional thing. So finding mm -hmm. out that you know somewhere in my heart I can I'm connecting with people and catching things that that is nice to know I have that. 
but it's just a matter of doing it. And you know, Doug, one of the things that I that I found uh, from having you in in the coaching group is um, your ability to sort of assess a situation. And you give it like a bite-sized phrase that's so just like right on point with an element of humor, but such a, such a strong element of truth. Like where you just you name it for what it is. Um, that's what I do. I don't it know is. What it it's is like, but- and you do it easily. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly, it's, it's a gift. And this is a guess. I guess this is one of those places. Coaching is a place I can use that gift because I don't, you can't, you look in the, in the, you know, the, go to any place where you're, you're trying to find a job no one's there's no job description that says that this encapsulator with humor there's nothing but that's what i because that's what i like to do that's about distilling something quickly to the essence making it understandable and that's the word i was looking for distilling you, you distill something down yeah mm-hmm. just to the essence i think the, i love the idea of an essence like whether it's like those tiny houses those, you ever see those are like they're 100 square feet because it's, mm-hmm. all, it's all about the essence. I love like our theater when they have minimal sets and just use a few props and lighting because it's just all the essence is what's left. They're not using all these fancy bells. You no, know, the bells and whistles aren't there. Not that I hate. I love bells and whistles. And people, <laughs> people complain about bells and whistles. I don't know. They have the wrong kinds of bells and whistles. They don't have mine because I love them. Um. So I know one of the things that uh, when we were talking yesterday, because, uh, you know, so you have this this uh, idea of the, the future self or in your coaching uh, practice, um, but getting there require, I asked you to describe your, your practice um, and I wrote it down for you because I figured you probably wouldn't remember what you said because I thought it was pretty good. Um, you, you described your coaching practice is it's going great because it's everything but the clients. <laughs> I actually did remember saying that. You did remember. Sorry, I, uh, I, I didn't even write that. Sorry, I I I, uh, I, I got to take that back then. Sorry, <laughs> Doug, I am sorry. You, you, you were right. right. I am wrong. <laughs> this one time, it's okay. It was the exception that proves the rule. I am often wrong, and I, you know. I don't know how you are. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. I was once in, I had a sermon that I was uh, in my uh, my synagogue that I that I belonged to. Our, we had a rabbi that talked about um, the whole sermon was the idea of like being able to say like admitting not just that that somebody else was right but that you were wrong. And I, I was thinking like you know. I must be a pretty awesome person because I do that all the time. You know, I, maybe it's just from a life of screwing things up and just knowing like I, I can't deny when I make a mistake. And so you're better off owning it. Um, so sorry, I just went on a tangent. Um, yeah, no, I understand. It's like, am I, I don't know if I'm nice or if I'm just a people pleaser. I don't know. Sometimes I can't tell which it is. If, for instance, because it's a similar thing, you get used to be reacting a certain way, but that does not mean it's not a, a, a nice way or it's not kind I think admitting you're wrong, I think that's something like, again, it's like vulnerability. It's, I think it's courage to admit you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I agree with I, that. And I, I, th- I think anything Brené Brown says is probably right. I think she's amazing. I, I, um, Brené Brown, if you listen to this, I, should, I have an email that I wrote out, but I don't, don't have your um, direct email address. Will you email me? Um, here's my shot in the dark, and I'm, sh- and I'm shooting for it. Um, because we need to talk. I want to have you on the show. If anyone knows Brené Brown, her email address... I mean, I could message her on Facebook, you know, but I don't know if she, I mean, she has like a gazillion Facebook followers and, um, she's just amazing. 
she she has like said and written all the things that I've thought but have not been able to put into words. Um, yeah, I mean, if you have not listened to or read Brene Brown stuff, um, I, I, I pity you. <laughs> no, I, I mean, just, so I, it, it's just so good. It's so, I mean, it's it's like the I don't know, like what do you, what do you think is so good about it? I don't know what it is. It, it, it just everything says makes total sense, and she's just right. It's just the essence. She just and she's just so believable. It's just so awesome. it's just so authentic and sincere. I just finished reading the Art of Asking mm-hmm. by Amanda Palmer, and I actually was reading the credits at the very end. And she said talked about when she was on vacation, she got the, the um, which what was the one of the Brené Brown books and. She started reading and said, Brendan Brown already wrote the book I was just going to write because she's off, Amanda Palmer's off to write her book. But she said, well, you know, she went ahead and did it anyways, but it just captured the idea of asking and being, being, being real, being open. And I, I think that's, that's something I, but I, I, I feel that when I'm with my ADHD tribe, I can be authentic and mm-hmm. it's safe. Mm-hmm. And it's, so I seek that out. Otherwise, I, I don't trust my filters. So a lot of times I just, don't try because I just don't want to screw up because I just don't want people looking. The worst looking is like somebody looks at and I'm talking to them. The ADHD thinks people almost always get what I'm saying. But when you're talking to someone who's just looking like I don't follow what you're saying at all, that, that's, that's, that's tough. It's like, I guess you're, I want to be, you're, I want to be known and you aren't, you can't know me. You, that's so, but it's mm. about finding the right place. And I think if you haven't been around, you know, making those connections with ADHD use, don't even realize what it can be like. Mm. Yeah, I, I, com- I completely agree. It, and it's, I, it's qualitatively different than anything else. Yeah, I, um, I absolutely. Absolutely. I think it gives hope too. That's one of the beautiful parts is like, you especially see other people that they're making down on themselves and then to you, like they're awesome. And they say, well, if that, then, you know, they're awesome. Maybe I'm awesome too. And I think so much of it is that you look, you can look at things from different angles and like, it's like a geometry thing where you get the X and Y scales. Like, well, if someone's a neurotypical, what you're doing, maybe it looks like you're not getting much done, but if you look at it from another angle, using different measures, like, wow, you're being amazing. And I think we just don't get to use the, we don't get judged by the good measures that help us so much. And then how often do you find, uh, that that people with ADHD discount or dismiss their their accomplishments. Oh yeah, great. If I can do it, anyone can. But why aren't yeah? Why aren't other people doing those things? <laughs> they, they, they can't. But yeah, that's true. You know, people like someone from someone from the group who she, she'd done nine out of ten things and felt like a failure. <sighs> uh, ten, nine out of ten things in her list, like that's amazing. What do you, so I think that's something. That we do for each other, and you know, as a, and as a coach, just giving people perspective, you know, tell them to step back and look at what you did. Speaking of of giving, we were talking yesterday about something that you wanted to give the ADHD rewired community. We were, and I was to think more about did, it. Did, did you write that down? And did, did you remember- I, I did write it down. I uh, well, I was just happy to give you know the free complimentary hour talking, you know, just talking about coaching and, and do a little coaching, just a little preview sampler. So if you email, is that how you want people to contact you through sure. email? That, that, uh, Doug at ADHD synergy coaching. 
Okay, we'll, we'll post the link to that. And so you're going to give the first person that that emails you a, a coaching session. First one guaranteed, and, uh, and no one will know who's first. So I realize I can just say as many people are first as I want. But you better hurry, act now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I just, I just, yeah, I just enjoy this. I enjoy the intimacy of coaching mm-hmm. too. And just the honesty and this and just, just putting away all the BS that you normally have when you're talking to someone. Mm-hmm. That just being able to just be directed and straightforward. And because yeah, I did so much of it, we talked about yesterday the idea that we just spend so much of our time. Like when I'm alone, I just have we have to have these tapes going, and they're not eight track tapes. I think they're cassette tapes. But in my head, and it just gets I get so bored by myself. And and other people think, oh. You, you know, you're so funny when I'm around you. You're just so full of thoughts and ideas, but by myself, not so much. This mm. it's just a waiting for those other opportunities. So I just love to talk to my people. Well, I think the 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 you know, speaking of the, of listening to the, the tapes in our head, it's like the, the thing is that we can either just like listen to whatever's on, or we can actually like record the things we want to be listening to. So instead of just listening to the, all those automatic negative thoughts that, that, you know, go through our head, it's like, we're actually use self-talk and replace those thoughts. And it's, you know, it might feel awkward, but it feels better than how it feels when we're constantly getting down on ourselves. Exactly. If that's how you've been your whole life, there's a comfort to it. Yeah, if there is. yourself up is what you're used to doing, then it's, it's comfortable to go there. It's not good. It's not mm-hmm. helpful, but there's a comfort, and it's and, you, and it's a known quantity. It's, I know it's going to be there. It's going to suck, but I'll know. And Doug, I think you were the one that actually turned me on to the book uh, "10% Happier," which you know does talk about that. And and mm-hmm. I, I mentioned in the uh, I think in a previous episode um, the title that he wanted to name that book, but that his publisher wouldn't let him. Uh, the my inner voice is an and now I have to put an explicit rating on this. Uh, <laughs> or I can, and I've been so good up till now. I know, oh man, you know, I I'm so torn on that. And if I should keep it, you know, family friendly. It's 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 ADHD family friendly because this is at like the 58 minute mark. So if like you include the intro and everything else, it'll still be past the hour. So no one's actually listening anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, you see the ADHD families that sit around the big radio and listen together. Is that what you picture? I, I do. You know, I totally imagine that. Oh my gosh! Like okay, you- I'm sure. I'm sure that's that's what happens. I have no doubt. That's a pretty picture, though. It isn't a pretty picture. It's one of those like like the ones with the the arched like top to it, the dial that kind of glows. Oh, yeah. Nice. Connected to the MP3 player so they can listen to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of podcasts, um, and maybe I should make an announcement about this at the beginning of the episode. Um, so I noticed on iTunes this week that everyone's podcast, if you search on iTunes, is only now showing like the most the 20 most recent episodes. I'm hoping that's going to change. Now, if you, if you subscribe to the podcast and then you look in your podcast and then look in like the feed, you know, it's like a whole nother place. You have to now look, you can find all the past episodes. So just make sure if you're listening to this, click subscribe and then it should be in your feed. Um, I, I also think that's also only on the, on the uh, desktop client. If you're, you know, getting it from your phone, I think all the episodes, um, are, are there, but when I saw that, I was like, what? 
Because, you know, this is by the time this is released, I think this will be like the 73rd or 4th episode that's uh, that's out. And, and I feel good about that. And when I went onto my feed and, and saw only showing 20, come on. That was You're a, getting up to that neighborhood where it's hard to do the Roman numerals without thinking hard. Like 73, what is that? I have no idea. What would it be? Um, X, X, D, X, X, I, 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 I. I think it's D is 50 or is that 500? I don't know. I've, or L. What's L? I don't know. L something. I don't know. I have no idea. How did we get – oh, where were we? I think we're about to go into the random question round. <laughs> that was pretty random. Yeah, that, there's some priming the randomness pump. <laughs> All right, Doug. It's time for the random question round. This is the part of the show that has nothing to do with ADHD, which then, paradoxically, has everything to do with ADHD. Ready? I'm ready. Give me your million-dollar invention. It, I, I, I would love it if there was something that a gizmo, it'd have to be a gizmo, I think, that you'd put on someone's head who doesn't have ADHD so they could ex- see, experience it and see that it's real. So kind of, kind of like Jenny Freeman's uh, C in ADHD. I think that's her whole whole concept of being able to see what it's like to actually live yeah. with ADHD from the non-ADHD perspective. Because it's, it's just amazing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> ADHD is unbelievable. <laughs> so I don't fault people for not under- believing it. I forget sometimes. So, yeah, what's, why did I do that? And they, oh, that's right. I remember now. Yeah. So yeah. something that could that would break through so many barriers like oh why are you willfully bad why why are you lazy why you know all those things and see oh i get it what is the most unbelievable thing that you have ever done well nude modeling was up there <laughs> uh i, I, and I some have, of these I have thought- a feeling there's some more though oh there, there are there probably are some more to me they're just ordinary things I once rode a unicycle two miles without falling off it. That's that awesome. Was, that's pretty pretty cool. And I had the, the uh, unicycle. My son one time said I, he didn't want me to ride it anymore because he said, I, I want to keep having a dad. So, Aww. See, he, I, he I thought not, you were going to say because you were embarrassing the hell out of me in front of my friends. <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to do that. But no, he was just, but it was, it was an endorsement of my fathering skills, maybe not of my unicycle skills. Doug, let me ask you this. You know, My, my son's sure. going to be four in August and I... I, I have to admit that I'm kind of looking forward to embarrassing him. To, to I mean, it seems pleasurable. I, I don't I mean maybe I'll change my mind like when I'm older. But is there some pleasure in that? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be the nice. It's got some things are just embarrassing that aren't bad. That the kids, but something you don't want to do. Some things are bad. There's bad, embarrassing, and good, embarrassing. Right. I mean, not, I'm not going to do it where it's like so I'm going to do something that's going to like con. right. Not gonna, I don't want him to let be be uh, taunted, you know, for the rest of his life. Uh, no, because of something that his dad did. Especially your four, that's a long time. That's a lot of taunting. <laughs> um, so you did a unicycle. You've um, you posed nude for a drawing class. Have you ever posed nude on a unicycle? That I've not done yet. That I'm not going to do. That uh, my, my my son would definitely be against that. You should write that down. Do not oh, write it. 
unicycle nude. No, did not need to write that down. I used to do this uh, um, in Chicago every year. They have the the late ride. It's a uh, it's a bike ride in Chicago. It's like a twenty five mile ride that starts at like midnight. Uh, and it goes like all through the city, and I did it for like six or seven years in a, in a row. I'm like way too old to do that. I, that, that would just like screw my ADHD up so much. Um, but I so I did it one year, and there was a guy that did the whole thing on a unicycle. It's like a 25 mile ride. Wow! And you have to. Pe- I mean, you, the pedaling on that thing is like there's, there's no coasting. Oh my gosh! All right, next um, next random question. Um, can you um, give us a recipe that we can make for, I don't know, just give us a recipe, something you like to make. Do you want do you want the Mexican macaroni salad recipe? I've never made that. You can do that or something I else. All right, what, what's your favorite thing to make? Well, it was guacamole until I got some bad avocados and then it was, now I'm off. I'm, oh, I'm that's, that's disappointing. It is because I was just—it was like, wow! I can't believe this is so good. It's so easy, uh, and I'm like, oh, this isn't so good. I, I used to make this butternut squash soup that I loved, and I got really sick one time, and that—that's what oh. came up. And now I can't eat it, and it's like I still that's like it, but I can't. Like it's just like uh, even thinking about it, it makes me kind of queasy. Absolutely, yeah, I get that. Uh, you, you should you should be eating like liver and onions when you're sick, and <laughs> you don't want to eat it anymore. What's maybe you like that? I don't I, know. I actually love chopped liver. Okay. Oh, chopped livers. Like, I mean, different. it's like a Jewish thing. I don't know. It's mandatory. It's delicious. <laughs> when I think about it, how gross it actually is, but it's like, I've always just thought of it, it's like a dip. It's a spread. You know, it's like chopped liver. You're like not supposed to think about food. You're supposed to eat it. Well, there's half the food you eat if you think about it. It's right. just it's, it's nasty. Not, it's, it's not the bone that you're eating around it's the stick that then it's that holds the meat together <laughs> yeah that's that's it <laughs> all right so give, give us something you like to make F- food are we talking about food still yeah what do i like to make uh well now what do i like to make i have to have my new go-to thing marinated flank steak i like doing that because mm. that's something that seems to in salmon because they're they're fairly foolproof because I've gotten to the point where with cooking, I just I have to do one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have a we have a warming our new stove, relatively new stove has a warming oven, so I can keep things warm. So now I just make one thing at a time because it just does not work. And then the meals end up taking like two hours to cook. That's the downside. You know, whenever I'm making a new recipe and I see you know it gives the estimated time like thirty minutes, hour and a half. That's a joke. Like who does those no things one, in thirty minutes? No one can do that. Like or the worst is the IKEA furniture. It says estimated time, you know, ninety minutes, three weekends minimum. Let's <laughs> say ninety minutes in dog years or dog hours. Like, does anyone really like? I really wonder how. Like, how do they come up with that time? Just ten-sided dice. You think that's how they do it? They just roll a dice and see. Yeah. It's, it seems about as good as anything. So although then it would be right once in a while, I would think. It doesn't seem to be true. At least give like a range. With like, like a bell curve. You know what I mean? So it's like we at least have this realistic expectation that it's going to take some people three hours to do the 30-minute thing. 
You're, if you're way out in the tail, that's, just, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> the wrong end of the tail. If you could coach a celebrity or movie star or someone that is sort of known by someone else, <laughs> it's a great setup, um, who would it be? Who would it be? Wow. Uh, oh, what's her name? Darn it. Yeah, I've got a little working memory here. Help me recall. Brene Brown? Well, no, she'd see right through me. That'd be... Uh, she played the president on a TV show a couple years ago. She's really smart. And she was in a League of Their Own. She had red hair. What's her name? I'm drawing um, blanks. Oh, well, her, though. Okay. What's, what's her name? You know, she's, I'm talking about her. Okay. Um, why? Well, she's... She's smart, funny, pretty. Okay. Just, All right. You, you like you like redheads, then, huh? What's just one one category of people of hair colors I like? Okay. Is, is your wife a redhead? Uh, Auburn, it's a little little okay. bit in there. Okay. But a you like you, you like hers the best, though, of course. Absolutely, yeah, whatever that color is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how That's many people it. listening to this right now have no idea what color their wife's hair is, or husbands of. Or partners, or kid. <laughs> eye color. Yeah. You know, it's, it's things like that, or it's like it's it's not that we don't care. It's just that we don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know I, mean, I think we probably notice things that other people, but they, that they don't expect us to notice, but then you don't know, get credit for it because it's not it's not on the the menu things you're supposed to get credit for. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I just had another question and I forgot what it was. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, since you've been in some movies, if you could, if there was a remake of like your favorite movie and you could play like the, the, one of the starring roles, who would you want to kind of tap and say, no, I'm, I'm going to play your role. Well, he'd probably want some some John C. Riley role. I like him. Who is that? He, I'm so bad with actors' names. Okay, he was in in, in Chicago. He played. He sings cel, Mr. Cellophane. Okay, can you give us a, can, in, can you give us a little taste of that? No, I can't. Oh no, please, can't. please right, come, no, on. No, come on, come no, on, come no, on, come no. on, come on, come on. I don't have my please, pitch pipe or anything. Mm. He, I mentioned him because he was actually in a movie, one of my favorite movies. I was in called Cedar Rapids. And that was fun because I was a conventioneer. There's a core of us, and we were like 15 days of filming. And he was around there, and and he seemed like a cool guy. I just he's, he's a very very funny guy, deadpan. All right, um, my last question. Okay. I've been thinking for the last like 40 episodes of rewriting my intro. Will you uh, will you give me a new intro? Go. What's the current intro? I was I was zoned out when you did it. which intro. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of look zoned out. <laughs> uh, um, what's my intro? Um, the ADHD rewired. Oh, why do you want to change that? That's beautiful. Well, that part's fine. It's the it's the part oh. after that. What's the part after that? Uh, this is the show for those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My brain is not activated. I'm going to play the deactivation card. 
Is that a yellow card or a red card? <laughs> it's a red card. I'm going right to the red. No, it's just one of those things. Yeah, sometimes my brain, I can't turn it on. I'd like to. I wish I could. But right now, it's just... Well, not happening. You know, and the reason I've been I've been thinking about wanting to rewrite the, the copy for the intro because I feel it's it doesn't fully capture what the show is. Um, so for if anyone is still listening, because we are like way past the hour mark, um, if you are listening to this, you're like I know the ex- like the perfect way to intro it, shoot me an email because um, I would definitely consider consider that. I might mean, probably email you at four in the morning. You know, when I, when I stop trying. Because, yeah, trying, I think that's an executive function thing. The working memory is just trying to remember things. Mm-hmm. They have to, they, it flows fine. It doesn't, it can't reach in there and retrieve it easily. Speaking of reaching in and retrieving, I, I don't even know how I'm going to bridge that thought. Um, I think it was, I forgot who, this, I think it's my wife's grandmother um so i guess that's technically my grandmother too um she she will occasionally set up a random transition by saying speaking of dead people um which i just think is awesome (laughs) that's that style yeah it's uh oh she she's got she has a great sense of humor um I'm rambling, so this is the best time to say, Doug, thank you for coming on. Um, let people know one more time where they can reach you. Doug at ADHDSynergyCoaching.com. And any final thoughts? When we're rambling, is when that's when it starts getting good. We're stopping, <laughs> stopping at the good part. We're just starting to start jamming and riffing here. You, you know, do you think that I should um, – uh, create a premium like part of the podcast where like so it would end now for everyone but then we just like everything that we're going to say from this point on you have to like pay a dollar or something to to hear um and it's it's of no use or value it's just you know us like bsing with each other it'd be like the sleep with me section i i love that podcast the podcast sleep with me i should just specify that. Yes, please. Yeah. It's like, what, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> no, uh, if you guys don't have never heard of these, this podcast called Sleep With Me, um, this guy, um, I don't even remember his name, Scooter or something. He, he is like, if, if speaking in tangents is a, is a talent, he's the most gifted person I've ever heard speak in tangents. And he, he, he kind of mumbles, but like he, it's t- sort of a style. Just check it out. It's it's to actually help you fall asleep. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna reach out to him actually to try to have him on because he's just an interesting guy. He's done some some Periscope um, things. So, anyways, we gotta cut this off one more time. The email so people are ending on you. Doug at ADHDSynergyCoaching.com. Doug, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thank you for listening to another episode of ADHD Rewired. And if you're new to the show, welcome to ADHD Rewired. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. You can see a full outline of this and all other episodes with all the links and other resources mentioned during this interview at ADHDRewired.com. Help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors. I use Zoom video conferencing nearly every day, and so can you. Go free or go pro. But please, go to erictibbers.com slash Zoom so they know that I sent you. And you can get a free audiobook from Audible at erictibbers.com slash Audible. 
Audible. And next time you shop Amazon, use the Amazon search portal at ADHDrewired.com. A small percentage of your purchase will go to support this show. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. You can also support this podcast by leaving an honest rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher. This really helps other people find this show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't just be a passive listener. Be an active member of the ADHD Rewired community. We are on Facebook. You can like our page, but please submit your request to join our free and growing community. And don't forget to check your other inbox because I screen everybody before they come into our community. Looking for a coach? If you're still listening at this point and you answered yes, come to my website at ADHDrewire.com and schedule your free 20-minute consultation or call me at 224-993-9450. Is your school, business, or organization hiring speakers? I provide fun and engaging presentations full of practical solutions that both educate and entertain. Hire me for your next professional development day or corporate training event. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash talks. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.